I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Okay, hello, everybody, and welcome back to It's the Journey. Welcome back to my return listeners, and hello and welcome to anyone that's joining for the very first time. And thank you so much for joining me today to sit down uh, with Marina Krivonosova, who is actually in the Netherlands today, or always, I guess. That's where she lives. So Marina is an amazing living example of someone who's living her dreams and working to be the change in a massive, impactful, important, and beautiful way. Her work and purpose seeks to change and improve lives around the world, and I think that's amazing and beautiful. So Marina's life has already had a literal journey too, which is super cool and I want to dive into. She was born in Russia, grew up in California, And now, like I said, she's living in the Netherlands, where she's working as a digital media marketer and has recently launched launched her own podcast called Stand Up for Human Rights, where she interviews guests to help bring awareness to various issues around human rights. So with all that, let's dive in and meet Marina. Marina, thank you so much for joining me today on It's the Journey. Thank you for that lovely intro. I didn't know what to expect, and that was very nice. So I feel like you've set the bar very high now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, so this is super fun for me too, because like we, uh, you know, I began this project back in January, and and over the months I've been mostly interviewing people that I know here in in St. Louis and around the country, and some people, a couple people in different countries. Um, but you and I met through LinkedIn, which is really fun. The way the that whole world works. And I was super impressed with what you're doing, and I'm grateful that you came uh, said yes to joining me today. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I love when people just get out there and try to put other people's stories out there because I feel like everybody has something to share and everybody's done something even if they've not publicly spoken about it before. So I always like listening to those podcasts. So it's really cool to be invited to be on one. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. No, and that's exactly right. Sometimes we only hear about the, you know, the, the big guests, you know, mm-hmm. the people everybody already knows about. <laughs> but uh, I think I think it's sometimes more inspiring for people to hear about someone they've never heard about that's also doing something really amazing that that would give them more courage to to say yes to whatever it is they're dreaming about and maybe afraid to start. Yeah, absolutely. So if we could, let's start with your podcast and what you're doing with that. That I, I noticed. So it's it's. Uh, Stand Up for Human Rights, and it's connected with an organization called Global Human Rights Defense. So mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind, like, let us know what that's all about and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So the, my, my interest in protecting human rights and fighting human trafficking kind of goes, I don't know, a few years back, I'd say. I started studying business economics when I went to UC Irvine. I did my undergrad degree there. And I was, I was honestly very money driven. I was like, you know what, business, economics, money, this is going to get me rich. This is going to get me well off. 
And I was a few classes away from completing that degree. And I took an international relations class. And that kind of just threw me for a tailspin. We had a lecturer who talked to us about human trafficking, and she worked somewhere in Orange County to help fight it. And I don't know, that really threw me off guard. I was like, wow, human trafficking is a big problem here in Southern California, where I don't know, we see it very much as like the developed world. We think, oh, this doesn't happen here. You know, that's like in other continents and other countries. That's not us. But it was happening in our own backyard. And I was like, whoa, that's just terrifying. And after the lecture, I went to speak to the woman who said all this to us. And I was like, hey, I care about this. I'm interested in this. What could I even do to like help fight this, you know, just as an undergrad student? And she was like, well, you know, this is a field you can pursue, like a field of study. This is something you can actually work in. And there I was just completely thrown off. And I went from like, I want to make money. I want to do business econ to I want to help protect people from human trafficking. And literally within days, I made the decision to switch my major and I called my parents. And I mean, you can imagine how absolutely shocked they were because for like 10 years, I was like business, business, business. And now I was like, I want to help save the world. And my, my parents, especially my dad, was like, what what are you doing? You almost have your degree. Like, I, I get you don't like calculus, but you're almost there. And I was like, nope, dad, like, I'm super sorry. I have places to be. I got like a world to save. And he was like, well, it's not like I can stop you. You know, you're not 14 years old anymore. You do you. And so I switched my major and I began studying international relations. And after that, I decided that I wanted to get more of an international perspective. So actually, while I was in Irvine, I studied abroad in the Netherlands. And there were there was obviously, you know, pros and cons. But overall, I was like, this might be a cool country to return to. So I came back to the Netherlands to do my master's. And I wrote my thesis on anti-human trafficking and trafficking policy in the EU and how specific countries are failing or succeeding in fighting trafficking. And after that, my dreams were crushed because I was like, wow, apparently to work in the government in the Netherlands, you need to have an EU passport and you need to speak Dutch. And I cannot, uh, I don't have one of those and I can't do the other one. And at first I was like, well, I want to go back to California. You know, it's all good. I'll go to California. I'll go to DC. I'll go to the US where I can legally work and I can speak the language. But I met my husband and, you know, life likes to throw us all off our game every once in a while. So I stayed in the Netherlands and that's kind of how I started working in marketing. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I don't want to leave this cause behind. This is still a field I care about, something I could potentially return to when the time is right. So I teamed up with GHRD and they're based in The Hague and I'm running a podcast for them. And I interview all sorts of guests who are passionate about and interested in human rights. For instance, my first guest was someone who experienced human human rights violations firsthand. So she was just an incredible person to speak with. I think that episode is, I I don't know if I'll ever talk to anyone whose story can compare to hers. It was just absolutely... It was insane. And then I spoke to some other people with interest in human rights, some students, you know, all sorts of people. And I'm continuing that process. Obviously, it's not my full time job, but I still make I still try to make time for it, even though it can be difficult. So those episodes will be coming out slowly but surely. And that's just something I keep planning to do. You know, it informs people about what's happening in the world of human rights. That's that's so awesome. And there's so many fun touch points throughout that whole story. So <laughs> good. I saw good. I saw you laughing and I was like, okay, okay, I gotta finish the story though. <laughs> no, no, I was just excited, but I forced myself to stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um one, uh just that that idea we I've this has been such a theme with so many of my guests about how one 
random or one one experience or one choice or one thing that someone does, how that just changes the trajectory of their life. One, one course or seminar you went to, one person who happened to come in and speak to you, and it had that, one, it had the impact on you, but two, you said yes to it. And the, so, so many times, every person I've talked to that's, that's doing and moving towards whatever it is they want in life, it's usually something like that. They took a class or they you know, had this random experience or this thought popped in their head or they had a crisis. So it's so cool that you can point back to the moment that you had this change, A, and B, it's so cool that your parents were so supportive. You know, sometimes in life when we want to do something that's very different or very unique or very, you know, just changing the direction, sometimes the people in our lives can kill it. Mm-hmm. And and even if even if we do it, <clears throat> pardon me, even if we say yes anyway, it's just it's it's just difficult when the people that you and and usually they're not doing it to be mean. It's because they're afraid they're afraid for you. Your dad could have been like, oh no no, like that's. You'll be poor forever or whatever mm-hmm. it is. He could have he could have put whatever fears that were in him in you, but he's like, no, you're an adult. I can't stop you. Do it. And and that's that's beautiful that he did that for you. And uh and it just shows, yeah, that's a, that that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, I- Oh, I was going to say, I can definitely vouch for the fact that uh, my family is incredibly supportive and I'm very grateful for that because I see my friends around me and their parents just don't support what they do. And even if my parents don't always agree with my choices, they're always like, well, you know, again, you're an adult, make this choice for yourself, see what happens. And if it fails, it fails. And if it doesn't, good for you. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned, uh, because like, so so doing a, do do you think you're having been born in, in, in Russia and then growing, growing up in, in California with parents who also were born in Russia, I presume. Uh, right. So like, did that, how did that, how, how do you think that experience changed your worldview in terms of thinking of a bigger world beyond, beyond the, whatever, you know, in this case it was the U S but everybody grows up in a country and sometimes Mm -hmm. has a limited view. So I think it really helped that my parents moved several thousand miles away from where they were born because I, I started to feel like if I want to move somewhere else, if I want to live halfway across the world, I can do that as well. Because my parents quite spontaneously moved. My dad got a job offer very quickly. It was all very quick that we were moving to the US, you know, packing our bags in Russia and just leaving for California. And I, again, I talked to my friends who were born somewhere and their parents were born there and their grandparents were born there. And they just cannot imagine the idea of like going to school far away from home living far away from home, they're like, well, my family's here. And I'm really fortunate that my family doesn't have that mindset because they're very much like, you know, you should explore the world. We love you. We want to be with you. And it's hard for us to go our separate ways. But at the end of the day, you have a life to live and you don't owe us anything. And Mm -hmm. I hope that one day when I have kids, I'll have that same mentality of, again, it'll be hard when you want to move away. But also there's great opportunities abroad. You meet so many people. You try so many new things that you would never get if you stay where you were born. So I think it just made me very open to new experiences. And as you mentioned before, open to saying yes to just trying something and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, I can super relate to that. I, like, I was The reason I was in Dublin was to drop my son off at grad school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we started traveling to, to reconnect kind of to my family's roots years ago. 
my, it was my grandparents that immigrated. So I started traveling in Italy and whatever. We decided to go to Ireland one year. And while we were there, he fell in love with Trinity and applied there. And, and so I can, I can very much relate to that. Now that my mm-hmm. son's on the other side, you know, he's in your hemisphere. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. He picked a good place to be. I've only ever flown through Ireland, but what I saw from the airport was nice. Uh, it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So many beautiful places to explore. So anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I was I was curious about about that, about how um how that because even though for me it was my grandparents, my grandparents spoke, you know, broken English Sicilian. And so I grew up with a little bit more of an international exposure than than a lot of people do, just even though I you know didn't go till years later. So the, and that definitely impacted my idea of, you know, the world and, you know, what's normal and what I might be able to do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere else on one of your, on your profiles, you mentioned, I mean, it was one of the, one of the amazing questions you asked on LinkedIn. You talked about <laughs> loving, uh, loving history. Yeah, that was it. We were talking about mm-hmm. travel and how you love history and how you studied Roman history. I was curious for you, cause I know this has impacted me, but, um, how maybe has your has your study of history and sort of the evolution of humanity and consciousness, has that played into maybe what you're doing at all now and, and looking at where we might, what, what we might need to do going forward? Does that question make sense? It, it does make sense. And I'll be honest, when I started studying history in school, especially when I was younger, I think I mentioned it on one of my posts, I hated it. And I was horrible at it because it was very much like memorizing dates, just blindly reading information and regurgitating for the exam and then forgetting it. So I hated history with a passion. So when I was going into like political science and international relations, everyone was like, dude, you hate history. Anybody who knew me knew that I like failed so many exams in history forged so many parent signatures to like, God forbid, show my parents those exams, you know? So everyone was like, what are you doing? Who are you? But I think I also mentioned this. I love history. If if I can learn it properly, if I can travel somewhere and learn about what I see there, what happened there. And I think, I think in a sense it has influenced how I see us going forward. But unfortunately, and this might just make me sound like the biggest nihilist in the world, I feel like history is bound to repeat itself and people are often in the majority too blind to see what has damaged us in the past and they're just going to keep doing it. So that's unfortunately my biggest takeaway. And again, this is very nihilistic of me, but I know that just myself as a person, I can't bring about any major change, at least not right now. So at this point, I'm just kind of taking life as it comes in that sense and understanding that in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people don't understand how our history is going to be repeated. Yeah. Now that's, that's can be true, unfortunately. Um, but going back to like you, you said, I, you won't be able to make a big change. I think, I think you mm-hmm. will. Because I mean, look at the change that one person had on your life and you know, you're, you're, you're broadcasting a message and who knows who will hear that and what mm-hmm. other people, it'll change the course of their life, whether it gives them the courage to, to try to work to be free or someone else that, gains new tools and insights to how to observe what human trafficking um I, just because of you you're posting it i started noticing in the airports i start noticing more signs about human trafficking mm-hmm. and and what to look for and i don't know that i may have they may have been there before and i wouldn't i hadn't noticed them but just you bringing up the issue and me listening to some of your podcasts made me kind of more aware of it 
And um, so we don't, sometimes we don't know the impact we have. Uh, That's true. Yeah. That's optimistic. And, and I like that. I definitely need to start looking at it more that way. And again, I feel like I'm trying to make these changes, as you mentioned, with a podcast and with my writing. But when you've seen so much go wrong, you don't re realize the impact you can have. And I think it is important to focus on the positives there. Mm -hmm. And and so I think sometimes too we get we get caught up in when you take a step back. I I love for some reason I've, I've always loved history, but I don't I don't know why, but I just do. And so, but I didn't like the I didn't like the same part. I didn't like just memorizing dates or whatever. I liked it when I could connect history to human experiences. So I really really love biographies because when you read a biography. Um, you learn about, especially about somebody that was, had a major impact in whatever their field was. Um, you learn all kinds of like all the, all the things that they touched, you know? So if you learn about Michelangelo, you'll learn all about the Medici and different popes and wars and Charles V and all kinds of fun things like that. And so then if you go to study someone else's circle that kind of overlaps that, then it, it connects more and more and more dots. Mm -hmm. um, but when you take, so when you take a step back and look at, like I try to like it, look at history like I'm up in a hot air balloon. It's sometimes how I sometimes I visualize like this progress of, of where we are, where and where we are. And so, on the one hand, like in the last couple centuries, from a human rights standpoint, we've made um, change that that the prior three thousand years were unimaginable, mm -hmm. unimaginable. You know, from the Enlightenment till now, you know the the end of government sanctioned slavery. I know there's, there's still all kinds of horrible things that, that, that for practical purposes are slavery. And, um, but as government institutions for the, for most of the world, um, the rise of civil rights, the rise of the feminist movement, the rise of environmentalism, all the, all these things that have arisen in the last 200 years, um, were at a lightning pace compared to the prior 3000 years where slavery was the norm genocide was the norm um, you know from for centuries cannibalism was you know you could literally eat kill or whatever mm -hmm. to, to your enemies you know that um, and so that there's some people that look at that change and go well, hey isn't that great we're done but and there's other people that look at just focus on where we are right this moment and and get horribly depressed that it's Okay, so I, I mean, I guess what I was saying is some people just look at where we are and go, hey, that's great. Look at all the progress we've made. And, but I guess I look at it as we've made monumental progress in the last couple hundred years, and it allows us to be more aware of how much more progress there is to go. And I think the work that you're doing is so important because there are some people that only look at is look at where we are and go, hey, we've reached this apex. Isn't that great? But we're not, we're never done. And that's part of evolution is just like learning and growing and growing through the growing, pain, growing pains and gaining new awareness to what might be next in our evolution as a, as a species and culture. No, that's exactly it. And I mean, when people say, oh, you know, things are good now. Okay. But that's also dependent on where you live. If you've been fortunate enough to be shielded from the impact of human trafficking, which is modern day slavery, that's great. That's good for you. But the reality is that for some people, that's just everyday life. They don't know if they're going to end up trafficked. They don't know if they're going to be sold as commodities. They don't know what's going to happen. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, which means that it's impacting, you know, one or two people here and there. So there's just so much that can be done to change that. 
Mm -hmm. So, so while we're, we're talking about that, what, what is the, cause I mean, I, and I, I'm an, I am absolute novice at this. I mean, I know, mm -hmm. I know about trafficking for like sex trade and I think there's trafficking for different kind of um, people being forced to work in sweatshops or whatever it might be. What, what is the, I don't know. Is there an area you're specifically focused on that you would, that you, where you want to see change or, or want to bring awareness to within that or? I mean, realistically, you know, think big, I want to change all of it for the better, but I'm mostly focused on sex trafficking. That's where most of my research has been because it's something that affects, you know, men and women, young people, old people, and you never know who will be affected by it. And it's very, very much happening worldwide. Again, even in places like Orange County. That's insane. So what, if, if there's a message you want people to be aware of, like my listeners that maybe are not aware of it at all, like are either a message or something they should watch for or somewhere they could go in addition to your podcast to just kind of educate themselves on, on um, learning more about, about this so that they can be aware and maybe help, help somehow? I mean, government websites are generally generally great. For instance, even like the U.S. government website, they talk about signs to look out for. They talk about where it happens in the world. They really show you all the statistics that they have, which, again, it's not entirely accurate, but it's something to help you get a better understanding of it. Another thing that I did when I worked at the library, I read pretty much every book they had there in the nonfiction section because, like you, I enjoy biographies and reading victims' firsthand experiences to really show you how they get into those situations you know, you have people getting catfished online, getting tricked into meeting up with someone who takes advantage of them. You have people moving away for work, thinking that they're going to become a nanny, that they're going to become a maid, when in reality, they're going to be pimped out. They're going to work at a strip club. So those sorts of things. So I think a combination of government resources and firsthand encounters as books or movies, as long as it's, you know, not as long as it's not fiction, of course, I think those are great resources. Okay. And, um, even just on, you know, I, I've seen examples in different parts of Europe where there were immigrants selling things mm -hmm. and I was told not to buy things from them because generally those people had been, had their way paid over to get to whatever country they were in and by the mafia or whoever it might be and were being forced to sell, you know, fake coach purses and plastic toys and whatever it was to, to repay their, um, their way over. And sometimes they never get out of that. They, they, it's the fee is so high and the interest rates are so high. They're just kind of stuck doing this thing that's illegal. So then if they get caught, then they're the ones that go to jail, not the person that that's profiting from this whole situation. That, so that wasn't even a, that wasn't even sex trade, but it was like someone that was desperate and trying to get out of their country and was willing to, to say yes to something like that. That's absolutely a big problem. And I think just as an average bystander, there's not too much you can do there because there are definitely people who sell those, you know, as you mentioned, those toys, those fake coach bags, just because that's their livelihood. But there's definitely people who've been brought over illegally and now they have to pay their way out from basically the people who brought them over there and they can't get out of that loop. So it's really hard to tell as a bystander. Again, there's definitely signs like if if you look at airports, as you mentioned, or train stations, they often say like, these are the signs to look out for. If you notice this, this might be a problem. But in a lot of countries, police are also watching out for that. So at the end of the day, as a bystander, there's not too much you can do. At the end of the day, it is a lot of going into the government and changing those policies. That's one of the biggest things I noticed in my research is that the government policies just aren't there or they're incredibly poor 
which is where a lot of the issues stem from. Okay. Okay. And then, um, so you'd mentioned at one point your, your a goal of actually working for the government. So now that you're, you're married to someone in the Netherlands, is that, is that possible? Like I'm for you still to get- not, I still don't have an EU passport yet. Ideally, I'd like to go back to the US. I'd like to work in DC or New York because I feel like that's where I would more, more so fit in. I'd say, you know, as someone who was raised as an American, someone who knows a lot about US policy, all of that, and also now about EU policy, I think I'd have a bigger impact there and I think I'd fit in there more. So ultimately, that's the goal. And if not for a government organization, then for an NGO that helps rehabilitate victims. Okay. Um- well, that I I wish you absolutely all the luck in that, and I'm I'm certain from all the things you've already said you've done that <laughs> you'll find a path to make that happen. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, so um, let's circle back to your podcast, and I noticed that it's it's um it's connected with where is that. Global human rights defense. So, has is that they're they're helping you? They're helping you, um, I guess, sort of amplify your voice and your audience. Is that how you get connected with them for that? Or yeah, absolutely. They were their mission is to educate people on human rights violations taking place worldwide, and they wanted someone to run like a video channel or a podcast. And the podcast is what I was interested in. Because I don't know, I feel like that's a useful skill to have these days. So that's something that I was ready to just dive into by myself and figure it out. So that's how that happened. So, but that's completely separate from your from your regular job. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, and so and then that that's exciting too because um, sometimes because you mentioned like so you, and your your regular job isn't specifically focused on this, which is this big big passion of yours. Um, sometimes we get. I think sometimes people get maybe demotivated or deflated or frustrated or sad or depressed that that they can't immediately dive into exactly what they want and so they're 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 doing whatever they're doing just to make a living and eat and that may be fun and engaging and exciting but it's not their true passion of like what they feel like they're put on put on on the planet to do or driven to do. So I think that's an amazing, that in itself is an amazing example that you're taking time to do this extra thing. Um, so that you still feel like you're, you're maybe doing what you're called to, to, to make a difference in this world. Yeah, for sure. And I don't feel like marketing is really like something that hurts me or something that I absolutely hate. And I'll be honest, when I started off, when I got my master's and I dove into marketing as a marketing assistant, I was kind of like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I wanted to work in politics. I wanted to work in a field pertaining to human rights. Now I'm just doing marketing at a credit insurance company. Like, how'd that happen? But after some time there and after kind of reflecting on my life up until that point, I was like, hey, marketing is just not something that I ever looked at as a career possibility. I grew up in a family that was very STEM oriented. So very math, computer science. That's what my parents did. That's what I was kind of expected to do. But it didn't happen. And marketing was something that was creative. And I was like, okay, if it's creative, it's not a real job. Horrible approach in retrospect, I understand. (laughs) But at the time, I was like, well, marketing and writing, the things that I like aren't things I can do for money. So when I started being a marketing assistant, when I started learning more about UI, UX design, about, you know, content creation, social media posting as a way to make a living and as a way to just do something, I was like, oh, wow, that's actually pretty neat. 
And I looked back again at my past jobs and I was like, okay, marketing is something that I've done before. Writing is something that I've done before a lot. So why not do it? And actually my first podcast guest, we spoke about this just personally, not on the podcast. And she was saying like, well, you want to do this? Why are you in marketing? And I was saying, well, you know, I don't know. Life just happened. And she was like, hey, marketing is great if you're going to do anything related to human rights, because these people, they need their voices amplified. This information pertaining to human rights, like it's not circulating the web properly because the people who research it don't know anything about SEO. They don't know anything about writing for an internet audience. So if you take those skills combined with your passion, you can do really great things. And that really like pumped me up. So I was like, okay, I'm doing this now and I'm happy now and I'm just chilling. But in the future, who knows what will happen? Who knows what kind of organization I'll work for? And maybe it'll be human rights oriented, but it'll still be marketing and writing. So I think that's that's the thing that's been keeping me going. Like you never know where your skills will be of use. Absolutely. And and I can only say this in retrospective in my own life and career is that um, sometimes whatever it is, sometimes it's like you, you, you've got something inside you that you're that is calling to you, you're, you, even if you're not doing that, doing that thing directly, you're gaining skills and experiences and insight that when you ultimately get there, you'll be better able to do that thing than you were when you were, when you were right out of school. And it's just such an important message too, for young people that are coming out of school is that, you know, it's so corny, but like they, they call it a commencement because it's the beginning it's, and it's, but it's so true. It's like, that's, you know, when you get out of school is when you really begin learning, you know, school to me just taught me how to learn. It taught me how to gather information and synthesize information and put it together to hopefully something that was useful. And then the next chunk of my career was learning how to apply that in ways that were useful. And, um, you know, I got into finance 20 something years ago, just because we had no money. And I was like, you were saying when you were in school, I was, I was scared to death of not having money and being poor. And I wanted to study this thing that was this fear in our lives. Um, but as I moved forward, I realized I wanted to make a bigger difference in people's lives. And I wasn't able to do that right away because I was, you know, I had younger kids and I was whole, whole married life that I was trying to like navigate. And I couldn't just switch to something else at that point in my life. So I restructured my financial planning practice to try to like help people see deeper meaning in, in whatever, whatever it is they were doing or, or broaden their concept of what wealth was to their, you know, their families and their health and things like that. And that was more or less successful, but that's, that's why I've shifted to what I'm doing now because I realized, well, if my, if the core of what I was doing was about managing money, that's, why people were paying me. And if I did anything beyond that, it was just, you know, icing on the cake. So to focus on what I really wanted to do, I had to, to make this transition to, to writing and podcasting. And so I just telling you, it's kind of an indirect route, which it'll be fun to, I'm, I'm excited to watch your path to, to see where you end up. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully it's as positive as yours because your, I, your sounds great. Oh, it's fine. I'm I'm sure it will be because you know you've you've got great stories and you're passionate and curious and interested and sounds like you're always learning and so those are great those are great attributes and will serve you for for what you're what you're trying to do with your journey. I hope so. <laughs> so <laughs> well, cool. Well, Marina, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, 
from from your home today and uh, join me and t- share your story. And I will post um, your podcast and and your and your links in the show notes if that's okay, so people mm-hmm. can learn more about what you're doing and and tune in and listen and subscribe. Where this was subscribe on Apple and and. Is that right? Our podcast is on our website, the GHR TV website, and it's also on Spotify. So either of those is good. Yep. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that way they can they can, they can watch it, listen wherever, and then mm-hmm. learn and uh and follow you on on LinkedIn because you you pose, like I said before, you pose great questions. And <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I don't even have time to answer, but I'll it'll get me thinking about the day. So just let you know good. too. For everyone that's responding, I bet you there are you know, two or three, two or three people for every person that responds that are just kind of chewing on what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've so. had that. I've had people message me and they're like, I've been thinking about your post for a couple of days now. I still don't think I want to comment, but I've been thinking about it just so, you know, I'm like, good. I'm glad that's what my questions do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why, that's why, you know, you talked about not, you know, magna, not, not having maybe the impact you want. I guarantee you're, you know, for everything that you see, Every person that you tells you or you see, there are many, many more that are hearing your message and being impacted. And um, you may never even know some of those things, but just know that know that they're out there. Definitely. I mean, the woman who changed my whole, you know, academic trajectory has no clue about it. And honestly, I don't even remember her name. And here I am like talking about her for so long, but she has no clue. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And we've all had teachers like that and, you mm-hmm. know, people that said comments or whatever. So uh, that's exciting. So it's exciting. Yeah, you're, you're, a, you're a positive force in the world and keep it up. And thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap for my episode with Marina. I'm so grateful that she joined me today. I'm so grateful that she came to share her message. I hope that you learned a lot. I hope that you'll check out her podcast and learn more and raise your own awareness about human rights and human trafficking and the things that are happening there. And then if we're all on the lookout, maybe we can maybe we can make a difference together on that. Um, one thing I wanted to reinforce is... You know, she's doing this as a passion project, as a side thing. It's not her main, her main career, and I think that's so important. Um, in the last, the last several years, as I've freed up time and space in my life to do things I'm passionate about, um, sometimes I get, you know, questioned or judged or whatever about, well, how do you have time for all that? And as if I'm, I'm stealing <laughs> something to do another thing that I like to do, uh, or that you can't, you can only do one thing. You can only be one thing. Um, and, and you've seen from my guest over and over again, there's, you know, I have so many friends that are artists and, and various things that are, that are doing multiple things in their lives. You know, they're working one career that they may really love and get a lot of joy from and put their heart into, but that's not all we, we're not, we're not just one thing as human beings. And we can do multiple things. We can change careers. We can do a career and have lots of side hobbies. You know, I wrote about that in 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 Afterlife. How people kind of weirded out when I was building furniture. Like, well, you're a financial guy. You're a numbers guy. How can you do that? Or when I started 
doing some acting. It was a similar kind of thing. It was where you're going to quit and you're going to be an actor now because I, because I did a commercial. Um, you know, we, 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 on the one hand, we, we admire figures in history that did many things. And I am no way comparing myself to Leonardo da Vinci, but like we, we look at those kind of people and go, wow, isn't that great? But if someone just tries to like have a hobby, sometimes it's looked down upon as if you're not, as if you're, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. So kudos to Marina for, for uh, having that passion and keeping it alive and, 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 and doing what she can to keep spreading that message and seeing where, where that will go in her life. So don't forget to, uh, yeah, check out her, check out the podcast. The it's called stand up for human rights. I'll put that in the show notes so you can find it. Thank you all again for joining me. Uh, if you're new again, thank you and welcome. Don't forget to, uh, if you like this, subscribe, like comment, uh, reach out to me if you have questions or comments. And, uh, I hope that you learned something from this. I hope that it inspired you and gave you hope to say yes to something you're curious about, something you want to learn about, something that you want to dive into so that you can also be the change and that you will hopefully move towards uh, what it is you want to do and that you enjoy your journey. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.